Empowering you with strategies to succeed. This is Jen Tringale, and you're listening to the Jen Tringale Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm really glad to spend this time with you. Here we are at the end of a year. It's just kind of crazy to even think that this whole year has gone by. And if you're anything like me getting ready for the holidays, you're thinking, how is this possible? You know, it was just summer. It felt like two weeks ago. But here we are nonetheless. And it's a busy pace of life for so many of us and a busy time usually going into the holiday season. But I hope there are some moments coming up ahead for you that are some quiet moments, maybe moments of reprieve, but moments to take stock of what this year has been for you. The good, maybe even some rough spots, but no doubt spots where even in the rough times, you know, God proved his faithfulness to you in maybe a brand new way. And so I know I'm looking forward to some of those in wrapping up a new year. And I pray that those are in the near future for you as well. It's been a little bit since I have done a podcast to just share with you myself We've had so many incredible guests, and the lineup for next year is just already astounding. I'm really amazed at the gifts that God has brought across our path to come and share their stories to encourage and inspire you. So 2019 is already looking amazing for podcast guests. But I want to share something with you that The Lord really birthed in my heart probably the last quarter of this year, and it's a theme that we're hearing a lot about really all over the world, and that is a theme of restoration. And it kind of started with something that God whispered to my heart, and he said it this way. He said, heaven is on a tour of recovering lost art. I thought, what a peculiar thing you know, for God to say, heaven is on a tour of recovering lost art. And so I want to talk to you for a few minutes just from my own heart and really time with the Lord about what that has really meant. Everything that God has created is a piece of art in and of itself. It is something that he intended. And I love, I love this about the creativity of God. Because God creates in broad strokes, He creates in big moments, but He also creates in minute detail. He literally attaches purpose to everything that God does. And so even in our world, in our lives, in the world at large, God created with such minute detail. And of course, that piece of art was broken. It was fallen and it needed to be restored. I want to share with you a verse out of Acts chapter 3 and it's in verse 20 and verse 21 and I'm going to read this out of the English Standard Version. It says, and he will send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So the word of God paints this picture for us that restoration and this work of restoration is something that God had in mind all along. 
And he says, even prophets from long ago have been talking about this time of restoration where I would send one that was appointed for you, Jesus, and he would come to restore all things. I believe that heaven is on a tour of recovering and restoring lost art because there is a work that God wants to do in our lives of restoration that looks like a couple of different things. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to sort of define this word restore in two different ways. The word restore to restore something can mean to reverse the deterioration of something and bring it back to its unimpaired condition. So restoration can look like reversing the effects of deterioration on an object or in someone's life. But the second definition of this word restoration simply means to bring to fullness, to bring to thorough completion. I want to share a story with you out of the Word of God. It's actually found in the book of Mark. And it's the story of a man who just went to church one day. And we know this because Jesus went to that same church, that same synagogue that day. And the Bible tells us that the rulers or the leaders of that synagogue sort of grabbed Jesus by the arm when he showed up and walked him over to this man. And to look at this man, he looked perfectly normal except for one part of him. And the Bible says that the man had a withered hand. And so these leaders use this man to get into a religious conversation with Jesus about some rules or some criteria that they felt was super important. And so they bring up this man and they ask Jesus, Jesus, now would it be lawful? Would it be breaking the law or fulfilling the law to heal this man? On the Sabbath day. And Jesus, who is always seeing the big picture and always seeing what's at work behind the question, makes a really wise choice and he chooses not to answer their question. But instead, he asked them a question back. And he said, Let me ask you this question How many of you, if you had a sheep that was lost, a lamb that was lost, How many of you would basically drop everything and do whatever it took to find that lost lamb, even if it was on the Sabbath day? And he said, if you would do that for a lamb, how much more would God, our Father, want this man restored? Now, it's interesting that Jesus does this miracle in the way that he does, because The Bible doesn't tell us how this man wound up with a withered hand. We don't know if he was born that way. We don't know if there was an accident. Maybe he was a blacksmith. Maybe through his trade, there was an accident. Something happened to that hand, and because he couldn't use it, it withered. We don't know, but the peculiar thing about this particular miracle that Jesus did is that we already have an account of all these different ways where Jesus healed people. He told one man, go down to this river and dip seven times and you'll be healed. To another man, a blind man, he actually spit in the dirt and took the mud and rubbed it on the man's eyes. And the man received his sight. 
But this miracle is so peculiar because what Jesus commanded this man to do was the only thing this man could not do. And what Jesus said to the man with the withered hand was, stretch forth your hand. You see, it's interesting because a withered hand usually transpires because the muscles in the hand have not been used. And so the muscles are atrophied. And so Jesus looks to the man with an unused atrophied hand and says to him, basically, do what you can't do. Do the one thing that to you is broken. Do the one thing, use the thing that is deteriorated. And if you will stretch out what's deteriorated, I will restore it. Of course, we know by all the accounts in the gospels of the word of God that the man did what Jesus told him to do. He stretched out his hand and when he did, restoration came. I feel like in our own lives right now that heaven is on this grand tour of recovering and restoring lost art. And I believe that heaven is knocking on the door of our hearts saying, what is it that you haven't used in a really long time? What is it that is under some kind of influence of deterioration? What is it that you haven't used in so long that it's actually begin to atrophy and maybe wither away. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a part of who you are that, that suffered a loss and you have withdrawn and it's begun to wither. Maybe it's a dream. It's a vision. Maybe it's part of the calling and the destiny of your life. Maybe you're even walking in a portion of who you are But heaven says, no, just a portion of who you are isn't enough because Jesus came to restore and redeem all of you. And so heaven would look to that part of you, that part of your dream, part of your vision, and say that part of you that you think is deteriorated and withered and atrophied, I'm asking you to stretch that out again. And if you will stretch that out, my restorative power will lock with your action of faith and I will restore and bring to fullness what has been deteriorated. There is an incredible story that I came across that I feel like speaks so perfectly. And it's the story of a man who lived in Sun City, Arizona. And he had a neighbor, and the neighbor was retired and had decided to move into a retirement home. And so the neighbor, being a good neighbor, went over on a Saturday morning, knocked on the man's door, and he said, I heard you, you've decided to get your house ready to sell. You're moving into a retirement home, and I'm free today. And if you want, you know, I can help you clean out your garage. And so the man thanked him and said, that'd be so nice. And So the neighbor got to work, and as he began to work in this man's garage, he came across some boxes, and behind the boxes, he found all of these old pieces of art and and old pictures and picture frames. But leaning up against all these uh, pieces of art and these old frames was this poster wrapped up. And the neighbor opened the poster, and when he opened it, 
he realized that it was a poster of NBA basketball player Kobe Bryant. And then he realized that it wasn't just a poster of Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant had signed this poster. So the man being in shock, realizing this was probably really valuable, went in and and found the man. He said, where did you get this? And he said, oh, my son actually worked for the NBA for a while, and and he got me that poster, and I just kind of lost track of it. And the man said, well, this is worth a lot of money. So they they called a sports memorabilia place, and and this man said, well, I'll come take a look at it. So he came out to the man's garage, and he said, take me to where you found this poster. And so they took this collector out to the garage, and they showed him the poster. The man looked it over, and as he was looking the poster over, he kind of glanced beyond uh, this poster to all these old pieces of art and and frames leaning against that old garage wall, and his eyes got really big. And he pointed to one particular piece of art, and he asked the older gentleman, "Uh, Sir, where did you get that piece of art? And he said, oh, well, uh, he said, actually, a friend of mine was an art collector, and and, uh, she gave me a lot of her pieces of art right before she passed away, and I just didn't much care for it, so I just stuck it in my garage. About this time, the neighbor asked him, well, how much is this poster worth? And the collector said, well, the poster is worth about $600. But that piece of art leaning back there against your garage wall, sir, that was painted by an artist by the name of Jackson Pollock. And I can't say for sure, but just by guessing, it's probably worth about $7 million. At this point, the neighbor got really excited and he looked at the gentleman and he said, well, you know, I'm the one that found it. So maybe if you sell that piece of art, you know, you could give some of it to me. And the sports memorabilia collector looked at him and he said, well, sir, actually, you didn't spot the piece of artwork. You stopped short when you came across this poster. You see, sometimes in life, we stop short of what God is really wanting to restore to us and restore through us and restore in us simply because we have failed to discover and acknowledge what is most valuable on the inside of us. It's so easy to get distracted It's so easy to get distracted by something that's screaming for our attention or maybe looks like a big deal on the surface or maybe seems like it's something we just have got to have or or we've just got to give all of our attention to. But so many times, if we'll do the work of pausing to survey and find what is most valuable That's when we really open ourselves up for God to restore to us something He's been wanting to restore all the time. In this work of restoration that God's wanting to do, I feel like it presents us with the series of questions that we have to ask ourselves if God is really going to be able to restore and bring to fullness and bring to completion a piece of us or something he's wanting to do in our lives. 
I feel like there's a series of questions and the series of questions is really actually a series of questions that has a specific succession to it. I feel like if we're going to go for the fullness of who God made us to be and the fullness of what God's wanting to do in our lives right now, usually the first question that we start asking ourselves kind of sounds something like this. What can I do? And what can't I do? What is allowable for me? And this is good. This is a noble question to ask. It's it's really something that's sort of based on the morality of life or having a moral code. What is morally right for me? What is morally wrong? What can I do? What can't I do? And if we're going to live a full life and live the abundant life that Jesus provided for us, it certainly has to start with this basic level. If we're not asking, what is my moral code? And if our moral code isn't based on the Bible, then we're going to hit roadblocks real quick because your moral code, what can I do? What can't I do? It can't come from what somebody else tells you is right or wrong. It can't come from your own version of what you think is right and wrong. There is a very real moral code for life that's already been established. And if you want to know what that moral code is, you can find it in the Word of God. So this is our baseline question. What can I do? What can I do? What is right for me? What is not right for me? But even though this is a good starting place, it's really not enough to get into this fullness or this work of restoration God wants to do in our lives. You kind of have to step it up to this next succession of this level of questioning. And I feel like this second level of question moves beyond what can I do, what can I do, And it moves to something that sounds more like, what should I do and what shouldn't I do? And this really reaches beyond the right and wrong of life. It reaches beyond a moral code and it reaches up to something of honor. It's it's an honorable thing to ask yourself, what should I do? What, What shouldn't I do? A neighbor that reaches out and says, you know, what should I do is I should go over and help that man clean out his garage. Or, you know, I I know that family, that husband, that wife, they just lost their job. And man, I know they're really struggling. What I should do is I should probably take that family dinner tonight. This isn't a question of morality. This is a question of what is the honorable thing to do? And this is such a noble place to live out of, to go beyond the morality of something, to answer a responsibility of this is the right, honorable thing to do. This is such a noble way to live. I'll tell you, I mean, really, if you think about it, if we could just get most of society living out of what should I do, what shouldn't I do? man, the world would be such a different place. And we should be asking ourselves these questions. What can I do? What can I do? We should be going beyond that to what should I do? What shouldn't I do? But even that 
really isn't enough. It's, it's not a stopping place if what we really want is the fullness of the work of restoration that God wants to do in our lives. I feel like there is one more succession in this question cycle that we need to ask ourselves, And this one reaches beyond what should I do, what shouldn't I do? This one goes to a question that sounds something like, what am I made to do? And what am I not made to do? You know, we usually tell kids when they're little, honey, you can grow up to be anything you want to be. And I understand why we say that. We're, we're building confidence and we want them to dream big. But really in the detail of it, I don't know if that is accurately true. I feel like probably what's more accurate to say to our children is, honey, you can be anything that God made you to be. Look, I don't want to spin my wheels trying to attain something, first of all, in my own strength, and second of all, that has nothing to do with what I am made to do. I feel like we, a lot of times, get so caught up in a cycle of life where we are trying to garner for ourselves things that we think we have to have. But do we really have to have that in the destiny plan of God that God has planned for our life and the season that we're in right now? Because I can tell you this, if we need it, God has provided for it. But if we are willing to go through this cycle of question, really what we're doing is we're taking the time to ask ourselves, what is most valuable in my life? What is most valuable? What do I value most? And once you define those things, then looking and surveying your life to say, do my actions and does my attention align with what I value the most? Or is what I prefer getting most of my attention? Are my preferences being chosen over what I value the most in my life? It's so easy to happen, but I'll tell you what, it's such a quick adjustment. When I can sit myself down for a quiet moment and say, am I just living out of what can I do? What can't I do? Because that's a starting place. But in the grand scheme of things, that's a low place to live out of. Am I asking myself the question, what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? Am I living an honorable life? But Have I asked myself the question recently and have I let God speak to me recently about what am I made to do? What am I not made to do? And letting the Spirit of God dictate the things that need to get my attention and the things that I need to make choices towards based on the answer to those questions. I want to encourage you as we wrap up this amazing year that you would take the time to define for your life what you value most. And then do a survey of where your attention goes 
what you're choosing on a day-to-day basis and ask yourself, does that line up with what I value most? Because I can guarantee you that the work of restoration that God is wanting to do in your life has to have the agreement of your attention and your actions. And when those things come into perfect alignment, then you will begin to witness this work of accelerated restoration that God is doing all over the world right now and He's wanting to do in your life. I want to pray for you as we wrap up the podcast. God, I thank you so much for all that you've done in our lives this year. I thank you, Father, that you brought us through. Father, you opened our eyes to see so much more than maybe we'd ever seen before. But Father, I ask that as we end up this year, that you would help us evaluate and sift through and examine all that makes up our day-to-day lives. Help us, Father, to isolate that which is most important and most valuable. God, I ask that you would help us to filter out and sort out and get rid of anything, Father, that's just eating up too much of our time and it needs to go. God, I, I ask that you would help each one of us answer the question for this season we're in and this new year we're coming into, what am I made to do? What am I not made to do? God, I thank you for the work of restoration you're doing, that you're bringing us into fullness and bringing us into completion for a grand display of your work of restoration you're doing in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.